There's a war for our soul. Thank you, Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, Son of God, that you have defeated our enemy completely when you shed your blood on the cross and rose from the dead. We thank you for being so obedient to the Father, for taking the hits, for standing in our place, for dying in our place, and then not only dying, but also bringing back to us the keys that we lost in the garden. We thank you, Father, for giving us authority to use those keys and the power that comes through them to bring help and life and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the true gospel to those who are hungry. Lord God, so I pray today that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive. And if we need to let go of and be deprogrammed of the old lies, that your Holy Spirit would just do that delete the programming Satan has put in there as a counterfeit gospel. And we thank you, Jesus, for the revelation of truth, for the promises of protection, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that we are warriors, and that you are confident in your abilities to keep us. So we thank you, Father, for protecting our families, all those who work for us, pray for us, and love us, the many that have come to us for help, those who are in trouble and trials right now, that you just deliver them for your glory's sake, even immediately, and bring forth and restore unto us, Lord, the miraculous powers uh, and, and gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have promised us even from the beginning. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, now let's talk about no condemnation. Pretty much that's a, a, a non, uh, it's a foreign subject. It's, it's, it's an experience no one ever has. Everybody's feeling condemned all the time, right? They're, they're worried Pretty about. Pretty much there's, you know, there's something I'm not doing enough. Or not I've doing done, it right. Or yeah. I've done the wrong thing. I've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a Or God is mad at me. Yeah. And, it just, you know, what happens here and is that there is no condemnation to those who are Romans 8, 1 in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there must be some options here, either flesh or spirit. And if you're walking in the flesh, you're going to walk in those, that place of, like you said. Condemnation. <laughs> yep. And, har- and so, but let me start at the beginning of what I see as a, a direction for us today. Um, you know, when we filter our our world, our lives, our hardships, the trials of our lives, through the flesh, we will come under condemnation. We will not understand what God is doing. If he's so good, then why? Because we're, we're processing the information out of the soul software instead of the spirit software. And so then you have your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and your flesh, which is your body, plus your soul, which is um, the definition of flesh. So you'll, you'll find weakness, fear, uh, and, and con- condemnation because your, your mind, will, and emotions are the place where Satan gets in to our minds, to our hearts, to tempt us, to um, accuse us. Yeah, because living according to the flesh, in other words, we're, we're living just according to our natural minds, our natural wills, our natural emotions, it leads us to bondage. It leads us to condemnation. Mm-hmm. It it it's it's it really it's a separates us from the 
consciousness of of God, actually. Well, you know, the flesh is really a term that we need to use um, as believers. It is not necessarily living in lasciviousness and gluttony and perversions. It's living in in, in the old body of death operating software that has been programmed into us at the garden and we live under the you know everything is processed through those filters of yeah, fear it, and failure yeah fear f- fear feelings and failure right exactly Fs, that's, that's the flesh and so you think i think i did the right thing so you're not sure i feel like i made a mistake you're already operating ready taking a step into condemnation when you're thinking and feeling yeah, and another thing too is confusion. We're not sure. Well, what to exactly. Do. That's so, the will. So then, yeah, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I feel this. I don't feel that. Blah blah. And we're trying to navigate a spiritual war using um, a carnal, you know, weapons of of feelings and 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 flesh. So when we're talking about the flesh today, we're talking about the old soul software as opposed to the knowing of the spirit for the spirit uh, in First Corinthians two. 9 through 11 says, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in? But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit that we might know. So God wants you to know that you can know what you know and not go on your thinking and your feeling. Um, so the, the, the flesh and the feelings do not provide us with an accurate or solid indication of what's really going on or the truth about the way things really are um, because in our spiritual world and in our relationships with God. So if you're fe- if open to fear, then you're open to intimidation, infirmity, all kinds of accusations, condemnation. The enemy wants us to get all tangled up in his world. He is the God of this world. He wants us to get tangled up in the technology technologies of legalism and law, especially if you're, you want to be good, you're made by God to love goodness. Satan knows that. He wants to tangle us up in the technicalities and shove guilt and responsibility for sin back on us. And this is where... It's crazy how the the people in the church don't realize the trick Satan is playing upon them by pushing on them the responsibility card. You know, it's up to you. You you did it. You know, yes, we did do the sin. Obviously, that's the problem. We believed a lie, did the sin. Now all we got to do is take the responsibility, if you will, of confessing it and repenting not trying to make ourselves perfect and better and holy by our own efforts. Yeah, what happens with and fear that goes along is it's all interspersed with all this is fear. And where there is fear, now we're not talking about the fear of God. We're talking about a a holy Reverence. reverence for God. We're not talking about that. We're talking about natural fear, carnal fear. Fear because we've we feel the like we've knows, done the wrong thing. The oh, what if? Oh no! What if? Anxiety. And when, when you're under fear, you can be controlled by the enemy. Absolutely. Whether whether it's an individual in your mind, or a nation, yeah. because fear. When when tyrants mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> create fear, they they control. That's, that's how they get control. They control. Con- abs- con- and they chase people here and there to help yeah, them find help, pens help. of safety. All right. Yeah. So, um, so Satan uses those technicalities, making us take responsibility, feel guilty. Um, he uses uh, the agreements we we made and the actions that we have taken against us to discredit us, to discourage us. Uh, he sets up standards of holiness based on our behavior and our works, and not to, to achieve that holiness. You know, based on our works, our behavior, not on the finished work of Jesus Christ. So, holiness. 
Satan somehow is made, you know, we love holiness. We're made by God. We love holiness. So Satan is trying to tell us that we can be holy by being perfect. And you can't be holy by being perfect because you'll never be perfect enough. So let's go to Romans 7 for a second. We're going to look at 7 and then hopefully end up in 8. Um, in Romans seven seventeen, I think it's best to just read the verse and then we'll go forward. Seven seventeen. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin or but sin that dwells in me. Stop. Okay, so Paul is separating himself from his behavior by he seeing himself um, doing, by identifying uh, with the entity of sin as doing the thing in him, not that he is in agreement with it. So um, uh, it's no. no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. This is something people don't, they're, they're, they don't separate themselves out from their sin. They think they are their sin because they did the sin. They, 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 therefore, they're defining the, themselves by their behavior, not by their being. And so, therefore, they have a hard time. But Paul is saying, wait a minute. He says, it is no longer I who do it. I'm not doing this, but the sin that dwells in him. He's it's separating himself out from the entity of sin. And then he goes on in 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. So he's actually talking about behavior here and how, how to do, how, how to uh, produce what he wants, he, the goodness, the righteousness of God. Um, but he says he knows something is operating or dwelling in him, in his flesh. That is not good. That is not, he doesn't like it. It's, it's not him. But too many times we identify our behavior with ourselves <clears throat> and then say, okay, now you need to, you know, you need to quit doing that. You need to take responsibility. You need to get some self-control. You need to take, you know, self-discipline. And so he gets us all tangled up in us trying to do what has already been finished by Jesus Christ. So, trying is a big bugaboo. Trying. Well, it's uh, what trying, the whole world is about. It's about trying, you know, mm -hmm. giving it your best effort and trying. Trying in, in the spiritual realm it is, is it, it brings you to failure. Well, in Romans, and again and again. exactly. And Paul in Romans seven eighteen is he's recognizing that he says, "I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells." Now the Bible also says the fl flesh is fearfully and wonderfully made. So we have two sides of that coin. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, but there's something going on inside of us that's not us that's causing us to do what we don't want to do. We'll see that in a minute. For to will is present with me. In other words, to will to be good or holy. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. In other words, he's showing us uh, what God has already shown us, that there's no way that we can be good enough to, to, to keep the law perfect enough to save ourselves. Um, verse 19, <clears throat> to the good, the, the, Paul says, for the good I will or want to do, I do not do. But the evil I do not want to do, that I practice. Yes, and that's exactly right. Why do I do the things I hate? Why do I, Why? Well, because there's some something else at play here besides just my will to not to want to not do it. It's there's another force, if you will, operating in the in our carnal minds in our lives um, that is pulling us on the torture rack. You know, between performing what is good and not being able to do it. In verse 19, he says, "For the good that I will to do, I do not do." But the evil I will not to do or don't want to do that I practice. Well, how many of us do that all the time? You know, and everything you're trying to quit, which you can't stop, is an addiction. You're being controlled by something other than yourself because you don't want to do it, but something is controlling you. Um, he says so in verse 20. He says, now listen to this. Now, if I, if I do what I will not to do, in other words, if I do what I don't want to do, 
it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Well, the world concludes that if you did it, you wanted to do it, and you're guilty of doing it because you did it and you wanted to do it. But Paul is saying something totally different here. He's saying in Romans 7.20, if now, if I do what I will not to do. In other words, if I do what I don't want to do, it is no longer I who do it. What what don't you want to do? Well, we don't want to sin. We don't want to, you know, um, lie, cheat, steal, whatever. We don't want to. It's no longer I who do it, but the sin who dwells in me, which that dwells in me. So sin is an entity. If you go back even to Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, uh-huh. his word to Cain. God's word, yeah. He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire, its desire is for you but you should rule over it. So right. it speaks of sin right. as an as a, as an entity, a separate that's, thing. Yeah. A, a, so a there's two things dwelling in Paul, he, he, himself and the entity of sin. So, but you know what? Nobody preaches this. They say if if I did if I do the crime, I do the time. It's my fault. I should have done something different. Then comes in the condemnation. But he says here, um, Paul says he comes right out and says it, telling us he says it is no longer I who do it it being the sin, but the sin that dwells in me. This, understanding this basic principle of being duly occupied or something, whatever you're going to call it, mm-hmm. um, takes out, it, it sets up, if you if you don't understand this, um, and but if, well, let's put it the other way, if you do understand this, it, it upsets the basic foundation upon which the false, false gospel is built. You know, that false gospel is basically the gospel of taking responsibility for the sin, which you have are constantly doing or practicing. Um, to be good is to get rid of the evil uh, and the guilt it is producing in me. Well, you know, this is self-effort, struggle, striving. What happened to the cross? What happened to the power of the cross? <clears throat> God said, you can't do this. You know, the flesh was weak. Jesus had to come to do what we can't. Well, why are we so insistent upon, I need to take, you know, full credit for all the sin I'm committing? Well, <laughs> why it, do we need to right. do that? Right, well, sometimes, you know, there's the... Wait a, a minute. A, okay. People are mad with, with what I just said. <gasps> but you have to take responsibility. That's your first response, even when Paul says here, um, uh, you know, in that verse, if I'm doing what I do not want to do, it's no longer I do who do it, but the but the sin that dwells in me, we say, whoa, Paul, you need to stop and take responsibility for your behavior. That's exactly how we would respond to that verse in a fleshly, carnal manner. You're, you're blaming <coughs> sin. So in other words, are you just making an excuse for your own sin? No, or, you're or, saying, no, 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 you're saying your own sin. You're saying there is sin going on inside of me that is causing me to do what I don't want to do. It's controlling me, overpowering me, and the thing that I want to do or perform, I can't because this is in the way. Then the, the, the mm-hmm. enemy says, well, okay, then you need to admit the sin. Yeah, no problem. Uh, there's a sin here. Uh, and, and take authority over it. Yes, we can do that because this behavior is coming out of something other than me. It's coming out of the enemies. The enemy is using my soul, my mind, will, and emotions to put pressure on me to accept his solution to the problem that he has already created. And so this is how we get tricked into falling for this false gospel, which is basically a gospel of good works. It's um, try harder, be good, get it right, do it over, measure up, 
you know, and if you're in treatment, stay in treatment, you know, get some self-control, self-discipline. And if you feel I'll it, try, try, try. Right, and you feel like it's too much pressure. I, I can't be that good. So that, personally, that's what kept me from receiving Christ. Years and years ago when I was a very young man, I thought, you know, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I, I can't live. My idea was that I had to keep the Ten Commandments perfectly, and I figured that's not going to work for me. So why even, why even give your life to the Lord because you figure you can't live that life anyway, mm-hmm. which is true in the sense is we can't live that life on our own. It's the life of Christ within us. Right. It, it, it's a, a whole <clears throat> new law that we'll talk about in just a bit. The, but, the, but the false gospel, the basic foundation of the false gospel is to get rid of your sin. That's Satan's rendition of the gospel. You, it's up to you, be good enough, try hard enough, stay at it long enough to get rid of your sin. So say, the, goods, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son has already gotten rid of the sin. Right, well, we say then, those that share that gospel, we're saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. Nothing more. It's not of ourselves, but not of works. We lest still any have to... Follow. If you if you understand right. what Jesus said to do, he said, just simply follow me. I will perfect that which concerns you. Uh, somehow we just don't believe that, get that, or we don't rest in that. And we're still striving because we're such doer, doer, doers. We're not be, be, beers. We're still doing so many things to try to be something. And I mean, that's the whole operating system that rocks in the world works in the world i got to do something to be something jesus said no 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 he says i'm the vine you're the branch you're abiding in me grafted into me out of out of your grafting in out of that connection comes the good works or the fruits of righteousness peace and joy in other words if you're in the vine you're an extension of the vine jesus is the vine your your life your your activities are an extension of the activities of God. This is the way it's supposed to be. It's not like um, I'm a little fence post and I got to lean up against that vine and see if I can get some juice out of it so I can do some good religious works here. But people really, and because it's all about doing, it's you're still vulnerable and open to fear and doing it wrong and not doing enough. And why isn't God doing something? There's no rest. And, and when there's no rest, Hebrews chapter three and four it says there is a rest to the believers and the rest were hardened because, you know, there, there has to be a place where I surrender. That's the key. God, I cannot do this. I can't to live as Christ now. I've, I've died. I've, I'm crucified with Christ. This is the point of surrender. This is where power begins is in that surrender to Jesus Christ and let him, by the power of his Holy Spirit, live his life his his uh, uh, intentions through you and me and not trying to figure out what God wants me to do. It's just ab- abiding is simply abiding. You abide and God does what he is doing through you and um, to, you know, the law of sin. But because in Romans going on, Romans 21, I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Well, there you have it again. This This dual occupation, you know, there's the spirit of God in me that's in my spirit, registering in my spirit for what man knows, the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him. But God has revealed those things to us by his spirit. So his spirit is bearing witness with our spirit. But in our soul, we're still troubled with thinking and feeling and trying to figure things out and looking good. He says, so I find then, 21, a law that evil is present with me. Pre- present with me. He's saved. 
Paul is not talking about, this is not previous to his salvation. This is after six, where he says he's saved. This is Romans seven. So he's saved and he's still saying, there's something going on in me that's not me, that's causing me to do what I don't want to do. That evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Of course you do, because you're built by God to delight in it. You're built by God to love holiness, righteousness, peace, and joy. And anything else than that, you know, is troublesome. You know, every time we sin, we feel guilty. The very fact that you feel guilty for sinning proves that you weren't built by God to sin in the first place. It's contrary to your divine nature. It's in opposition to who you really are. That's why we feel guilty. He says in verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. Yes, of course, because we are holy and made by God to love and delight in that law. The, the law of God, by the way, is not the law of Moses. The law of God is the law of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That is the law of Jesus Christ. That is the new commandment I give you. But in 23, he says, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. So in his members, his mind, his organs, his hypothalamus, wherever you want to go with that, there is this battle with fear all the time. Oh no, what if? Fear dwells in the soul. It tempts the mind. It tempts the emotions and brings us to fear. It brings us to confusion. It brings us to shutdown. It brings us to discouragement. All of these are the fruits of what? Of the kingdom of God? No, they're the fruits of, of death and destruction. And so he kind of concludes at the end of this that he says there i see this law in my members warring against me warring against my mind bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members so satan wants to recapture you by operating full operation of the body of death operating software that is in us he says oh wretched man that i am here we go with it who will deliver me from this body of death paul is naming this this um operating software as the body of death that was downloaded obviously into adam and eve in the garden and so we see this wretchedness Paul is experiencing. It's interesting, too, is that we all say that, oh, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. Okay? Mm -hmm. So this is part of it right here. We, we don't think of it this way a lot of times. We, we think more of sin as, well, you know, so okay, doing I'll, I'll, be, doing. I'll be good. Mm -hmm. I'll be good now. I'll have good behavior instead of bad behavior. But what Paul is saying that the Lord here has delivered us yes. from <clears throat> this uh, law of sin, which is in our members. That mm -hmm. this, the control of of that law of sin that's living within us, uh, that's the, what Jesus came to deliver us from. And He cries out. He says, "Who will deliver mm -hmm. me from this body of death?" Yes. And He goes on to say, "I thank God." Well, how? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, notice that in Romans six, Paul says, "Reckon the old man dead." In other words, act as if account uh, him as dead. In other words, and Paul says, "We we died with Christ." So there is a spirit. There's a, a an element of death here in not giving place to this fear. You know, this is the temptation. This is always the trial. This is always the test. Whose report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the report that's coming through our mind, will, and emotions, our soul, flesh? Or are we going to believe what the Word of God says that is being borne witness by His Spirit to our spirit? This is the test. Whose report are you going to believe? And from this, you will find fruit. Fruit comes from it, whether it's condemnation, failure, guilt, dis discouragement, or uh, victory. So there's two reports. Right. There's two reports. And we choose, we get to choose which report we're going to follow. Which but you know, the thing is, he says, Paul says in 24, oh, wretched man that I am. Wretched. 
I'm torn. I'm on this torture rack. Who will set me free? Who will deliver me, rescue me from this captivity? Who will deliver me from this? See, Satan has two holds on us. One is in the world. We're in his world. And that is solved by us dying to sin and becoming citizens of heaven. The second hold he has on us was what he downloaded into Adam and Eve in their soul. And that is where we struggle the most is with this, once you're saved, with this body of Mm -hmm. death operating Mm -hmm. software. Mm -hmm. Um, um, You know, and how can, you know, here's the deal. Jesus is the one who sets us free. Romans 7, 25. <clears throat> Paul says, I th- who, how, what, what's going to happen? Who will deliver me from this body of death? He doesn't say, what do I got to do? He said, who will deliver me? And implying that this has to be done by some outside person. Who? That would be Jesus. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, exclamation point. So now, so then with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So that's why you reckon the old man dead. Therefore, you know, this per, uh, chapter break of eight is not in the original. Therefore, there is now, therefore, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk, you know, according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now notice you can still be in Christ and walk in the flesh and therefore walk in that place of condemnation. Yes. And that's where most believers walk because they have been taught the wrong gospel. They have been taught that the gospel is about you being good and getting rid of your sin, not about the Son of God who set us free. So if I am free, Jesus set me free. I am free by God's grace in his sight. I have been redeemed. I am free. But I still walk around with all of my chains of captivity still around me everywhere I go, how free am I? You're not. If I still identify myself as a sinner, what good did Jesus' sacrifice, death, blood spilled on the ground really do for me? I am a sinner. I was a sinner, but I am saved, set free, set apart, sanctified, called, appointed unto God's grace. I am now a saint. If you still think you're a sinner and you keep identifying yourself as a sinner all the time, yeah, 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 you're going to do sin still. Just because we get saved doesn't mean we stop sinning immediately and automatically because Satan is still out there to trick us and tempt us and use the weak points of our life, our generational bloodlines, the open doors, unconfessed sins, to come in and torment us, uh, trick us, and try to terrify us. But if I, I, if I stand in the word of God um, and I know that I've been saved by grace, then I will act as a soldier, as a warrior, as a servant of the Most High God, as one who walks in faith, uh, believing. And this is the whole challenge. Satan has to knock out God's army and he does it through fear and unbelief. He does it through us not knowing who we are, not knowing who God is, not knowing the power of God's word. And we just kind of crumple down and roll up into a ball of chains and mess. Um, so I don't have to identify myself as a sinner. When I sin, when you Christian believer sin, First John, when he's, he was talking to first, uh, believers, he says, when you sin, not if you sin or never sin, when you sin, confess your sins, confess your faults one to another, confess your sin, God's faithful and just to forgive it. So he's saying, just get right up, say, oh God, you know what? This is something I didn't want to do this. Uh, I'm confessing it as sin, as a, as a separating thing from me and you. I, I believe the lie. I acted in fear. Forgive me for listening to the lie. Basically, all every sin is the same sin. It's lie, believing the lie. Um, and so I'm going to, um, I, ha- I, I ask you to forgive me for trying to be good when you already called me good. Cause me to walk in the goodness you've already called me to, to be. To, to, and um, 
um, because I can't earn, I can't deserve, I can't accomplish in myself what God has already accomplished. If I could have accomplished it, then his work on the cross would have been wasted, basically. Um, so this is a problem because of everything. If all of our perceptions of God, of life, of love, of his goodness are filtered through these, the flesh, through the feelings, the fears, the failures, we will fail to find the rest in the revelation of God's goodness, love, power, healing, miracles, etc. So that's what Paul is talking about in Galatians. Where did you get this from? The works of the law or by the hearing, by, by, the, by faith in the spirit, by, by the spirit of God. So we're, we've got to switch gears, get out of the works of the law, quit trying to be good. You are good. Now do what a good person does who's abiding in Christ. Be the extension of Christ to do what he gives you grace and power and strength and wisdom to do on his behalf in, the, in your world. Um, <clears throat> if everything I know and think I know about God is filtered through the, this, my finite, fallible, feeble, fickle mind um, and through my experiences that I've attributed to be the truth when only they were just simply experiences that truly happened, I've been, I'm working through a program that Satan has set up in my mind and life. And so guilt and condemnation and, and uh, I'll be contaminated with those things. My concept of God will always be, listen to this people. It'll be fearful, small, limited, doubtful. God will always be on the other end of a big stick called holiness. You will not sur- accomplish what God has in mind. God has a, in mind one thing, a love relationship between you and him that cannot be broken by circumstances, by accu- uh, accusations, by the attack of the enemy. God is faithful. He says, I am faithful to complete the work I've begun in you. God is faithful. Not you know. He knows our situation. He doesn't expect us to man up to anything. God says he is faithful to carry us, complete this. Um, unbelief and shame run rampant in, in the corridors of, of our minds and emotions, if we give them place, um, we, they give us no assurance of the power and the life that comes from knowing the word of God. That, you know, and you know what? The word of God is a sword, sharp and powerful and able to separate what? Thoughts from intentions, soul from spirit, joint from marrow. Why? Why would God tell us his word is a sword to separate if nothing needs to be separated? What is the sword separating? The things of the flesh from the things of the spirit. The, the notions, the lies, the religions that Satan has created and crafted, and many there are, um, to, to look like the gospel, which is nothing but counterfeit versions of another gospel. And Paul says, if, I come, if anybody comes, even me come preaching another gospel, Paul says, let him be cursed. Okay, people, we have hook, line, and sinker because it's preached from a pulpit, a platform, in a church with a, a steeple or whatever. We think it's God. And, and you know, un, uh, people, ignorant people go into these buildings and they, they think they're coming to find God. You can find God on a, sitting on a log in the forest if you want to. God is everywhere present and oh so available and wants to immediately reveal himself to you. But um, so the long of the short of it is that if people live in these lies that are cloaked in scripture, I mean, Satan uses the Bible, uses verses, truth. He uses truth to tell lies. You know, he has to say, you know, he he can use 99% truth. One drop of arsenic is all he needs. He cloaks all of the, he he created a gospel and it's been preached from the, almost from the beginning. Uh, And you can see it and it's ugly fruit is everywhere, everywhere, you know, 
the condemnation, the powerlessness, the doubt, the the, the sickness, the the uh, mental and emotional diagnosis, the fear, physical di- no power, no miracles. Um, no, they don't. They do not know the truth about God or the devil or the war between them. The war has already been won. We rest our hope in the f- finished work, the accepted and pre- approved work of Jesus Christ um, it, through His shed blood. The love he proved to us by shedding his blood. And this is finished and accepted by the Father. This is, you know, when what we're suffering now, what we're going through now, let it be suffering with Christ, not because of sin, uh, not, get it not confused. The fruit of the false gospel is very apparent. It's fear, lovelessness, um, it, it's, it's up to me lifestyles. It provokes witchcraft, condemnation, guilt, never good enough to, to bring me to freedom, abandonment, alone, misunderstood, without love, discouraged, sad, weak, hopeless, giving up, sickness, swallowing, swallowing me up, no miracles, no power, powerless gospel. Where is God? Mad at God. Why is God doing this? What? It's not fair. Uh, God isn't good. All of this is the fruit of the false gospel, and that is what our world is full of, absolutely full of. Yes, the spirit, he says, the spirit of law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 2, has made me free from from the the law law of of sin sin and death. death. So there's one law that supersedes the other law, and that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's the life of Jesus in us. We have to think of this, too. It's not our own life. It's the life of very life of Jesus Christ dwells within us. That's it. It's that life. And the life of Jesus is perfect, is a perfect life. So if we yield ourselves and allow that life of Christ Mm -hmm. to to flow and be predominant in our lives, just allowing it to happen, then we're living in a whole life on a a whole new plane. Well, living life that's pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. He says in verse 3 of Romans 8, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. So what the law could not do, the law cannot wash the sin. It's the mirror. It cannot wash the sin off your face. It could not do this, and it was weak through the flesh. We're talking about the flesh. The flesh is vulnerable to fear, anxiety, confusion, that's and doubt. That's what the soul is. And you and I are programmed um, in the soul to fall into a place of vulnerability, where if you use your soul software to figure stuff out, you are going to come into that place of confusion. And it's like you know a little child that's learning something. They're struggling to do something. They're struggling to fix, put the chain on their bike or something. And and what happens is that they just, they don't, a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old can't really do it. Yeah. So dad has to come So what happens, it. dad comes in and, and does it. So we're like that little two-year-old trying to fix stuff, trying to make ourselves righteous or just or living, get our bike going. Or floundering <laughs> around, getting our life going. And God steps in and just does it. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we're incapable. But he did it. And all right, on the cross, it is finished. The work of salvation has been accomplished completely. And we just enter into that finished work, work of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. So the righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled uh, through Christ. And then he goes on to say, we, if we live according to the flesh, we set our mind on the things of the flesh uh, and not according to the spirit. 
to be carnally, carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. You can be uh, saved and still walk in the power of a carnal mind and, and death and fear. Be carnally minded is enmity or war against God. It's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Um, for, for if you're in the flesh, you cannot please God. You're always going to feel guilty, bad, double-minded. Uh, but we are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in us, now anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ is not his. So you have the spirit of Christ in you if you've accepted Jesus Christ. And, and so therefore you have the right to walk in that light, that love, that power. Um, and then he says, verse 11, but if the spirit of him who, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So he's even able to address issues of sickness, infirmity, <clears throat> weakness, uh, demonic. See, spirits of fear and infirmity take hold and grip our bodies, our minds, mental health, illnesses, uh, physical illnesses. But he says, if the spirit of Christ, uh, the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he also has power to give life to your mortal body. Okay, Therefore, we're, he says, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And here's the final verse 15. But for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. God's whole point in all of this creation of us is for a relationship where we can mm-hmm. say, Abba, Father, you're my father. You're, you're, do you, you know, most of us didn't maybe have very faithful, good dads, maybe no dad at all. But God himself has put himself in a position where he wants to be your father. He wants to respond to you. And you say, well, I prayed and I asked and da-da-da, and he doesn't, you know what? Let the, let the Father choose for you what is right for you, but continue to ask for his help. Continue to believe for his help. Continue to allow his spirit to dwell in you. Um, we, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In his, so here's the deal. We're joint heirs. We're children of God. God is our Father you know, you're going through lots of troubles. There's no way out of these troubles today or tomorrow except through that relationship with your Father, Abba Father. So, Father, we thank you today for the revelation of your love, your truth, your mercy, your counsel, your goodness, your gospel, the true gospel of grace and good news. And, Lord, I pray that your sword would separate out and off and separate us from all those counterfeit look-alike gospels and scriptures that have been misquoted and mistaught to us that you just strip those things away and you'd give us a deep and holy and profound uh, solid revelation of your truth your word your power that you are with us father god thank you jesus for your goodness thank you for your mercy thank you for your love thank you lord teach us lord to live in your spirit that it won't be just a, a lofty idea but it will be a daily experience where we love you, we follow you, we hear your voice as your sheep, and we do what you say. We follow along. Thank you, Lord, that you made our receptors, you made our spirit alive to your spirit, and you, as our loving Heavenly Father, will lead us into all truth, and you'll guide us in all details of our lives that will bring forth fruit for us, for those around us, and uh, Amen. glorify you. 
Yes. In Jesus' name. And just for the record, check us out at liferecovery.com. I would really encourage you to check out the book called Cravings, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do. It's all about Romans chapter 7. It's all about the depra- about all the, the false gospels, what they've taught us. Um, and then again, it helps us to understand how those addictions work and doing what I don't want to do. That's called Cravings, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do. Thanks. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.